The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. There we go. Okay, recording now. Okay, so this is day three of Kufnem Tess. Okay, and we had a week break, uh, like a, a week's worth of break, not like a week break. Okay, so let's uh, let's review everything. Um, and um, uh, and we what we did last time basically was the half of the Meiri. Okay, so we're gonna. Our goal is to finish the Meiri, and then like try to develop the the Peric. And whether we finish tonight, who knows? Okay, we'll see what happens. Okay, so we're not gonna review the um, the Pesukim uh, uh, by themselves. We'll review it as we do the Meiri. But that's why I printed out the uh, the translation for you. Sorry about the colors getting messed up because I don't have a color printer, and that's what happens when you print the color and there's no color printer. Okay, so starts off with, and I'm actually because the Meiri was short, I'm gonna actually just reread him. Uh, in his entirety, um, and uh, and we'll just review what we did. This parak is said entirely about in reference to the redemption, the ultimate redemption, and on the treasuredness of the chosen nation, and that God treasures us uniquely. Okay, so the two themes, right? We said when we were doing it before, it was about the Mashiach, but he's saying that a major theme is that Israel is chosen. Okay, uh, I don't think we had an idea there. I think that was just the uh, the overarching thing. Uh, sing to Hashem a new song because that time will be called new. Through the wonders and the demonstration of God's might and the power of his actions to his people, which we said, according to the Ramam, is entirely naturalistic. It's going to be the the um the shift in political autonomy to the jews and the key you know the, the the restoration of the entire torah system and that's going to be so wondrous that it's going to overshadow a uh, uts mitzrayim and the miracles there okay um and if you hold that there are miracles then even better uh like at the time of mashiach right then that's an even greater demonstration of god's might and then that's going to lead to a new song because it's going to be qualitatively different than anything that we've seen so far okay all right, and he said that his praise is in the congregation of the pious, because then the entire earth will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. Uh, hold on. I thought I, oh, I had four copies because I forgot that Oren was coming today. But uh, yeah. Um, oh, but I have another copy of this, though, with the pretty colors. Um, uh, and there's a screen also but the screen can't show the english and hebrew at the same time yeah yeah okay so anyway so then the earth will be filled with the knowledge of hashem and he says so he holds that the hasidim refers to the entirety of the nation not righteous people within the nation okay so the entire congregation of the jews will be um will be praising god for all of the knowledge that fills the earth at the time of Shia. Okay, we're reviewing from last time. Yeah. Okay, um, then stop me if there's anything that any new points or any new questions. We're just kind of like revving up into into the Miri. Okay, then we have Israel will rejoice in its creator. This is positive base. Uh, so he says that that's just in plural because of reasons, uh, because of respect. Okay, we'll skip that. Bnei Israel Yigilu Malcolm repeating the same thing in different words. Gimel Yizamrulo. They will praise his name with dancing or with uh, some sort of instrument, flute. Uh, with timbrels and with uh, harps, they will make music to him. So he says that this is a mushal, okay? Uh, but it really means that they will make music 
before him with great desire, with all their emotions involved. That's what the machol means. Yeah, I think I, even though the Dibur Maskil extends beyond the machol, I think he's saying that the machol is a mashal, which means that he's learning it as dancing. And since we don't dance to praise God, then he has to learn that as a mashal for the joy. And then the instruments are to arouse a person's heart for this. What do yeah? you mean we don't dance to praise God? Uh, that's not a method of praising God in Judaism. Singing is singing and making music. I'm just saying factually, it's not. You don't see you don't see anywhere in 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 Torah Shvichav or Torah Shvalpeh that dancing is a way of praising God. Dancing is a way of expressing simcha. Dancing is a, is a way of honoring the Torah. Dancing is not a way of tehila of praising God. We praise God in words and in mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's why he's, he's saying it as a mashal. And in music, yeah, yeah, in, in words and wordlessness. What about um, Hoshana? Uh, so that is for Simcha. Uh, and was, first of all, it's not Hoshana. So the, the Hoshana is the, you mean the circling. Yeah. That's not dancing, though. The dancing happened in the Simcha space of Shueva um, every night, and that was for, okay. for Simcha, yeah. Well, but also um, during Kaddish, when we go on our toes. That's not dancing, for, according to anyone. <laughs> right? I thought it was supposed to oh, really? be like reminiscent of it. Oh, I have never heard that interpretation. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's like ascendance, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, key. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying there's no dancing. I'm saying there's no dancing as praise. Okay. Yeah. Ki rote Hashem abamo. Hashem favors his people. Klomer shivchar behem v'yotim inagalos. He favors them and takes them out of uh, exile. It's a pretty good way to favor someone. V'fire anavim bishua bishua shioshiem. He will glorify the humble. And who do we say the humble is? Yeah, who are the who are the anavim? Is Am Yisrael as a whole, right? It doesn't mean people with humble midos. It means the downtrodden nation. Okay. Chasidim Okay, this is where it gets confusing. Okay, and the Chasidim, which again is all of Israel, will rejoice in kavod. So he gives two interpretations. First one is the kavod that they get from God, meaning now it's the time of Mashiach. Klal Yisrael is uh, has Malchus and uh, and they're they're you know in uh, in in you know they have their own monarchy. Or he says Yeshlafarish Bechavod is benefesh. Kavod is they will is the soul and they will rejoice with their souls. Okay, and he gives proofs. Nefesh Yikari Kavod Ura Kavodi. We went through the proofs last time. Vamar Yeshua, and then the salvation according to this interpretation does not mean at the time of Mashiach. It means eternal salvation in Olam Haba. Okay, the Amar, and according to that, you can say that the Hasidim will rejoice with their souls and sing on their beds, which means in death, right? Yeah, uh, after they after they rest, which is after death. Because lying down and resting are, are synonyms, etc. Or or it means on their beds. Because on when you're on your bed at night, you can think clearly, or you can have lots of anxiety. <laughs> okay, right. But if you're if you're involved in uh, uh, in you know if you're uh, involved in Yiddish Hashem, then presumably you're thinking. Yeah. I'm sorry, just Bobby. Where does is somewhere else in Tehillim where David says that? Yes. That cannot. Yeah, oh. Not talking about. Right, the dead cannot praise God. Yeah, so there, uh, you have to say what that means is that engaging in the, like the action of praising, you know, this praising is figurative because like it's figurative like the angels, right? Like angels don't actually praise God. They don't have like 
verbiage, you know, right? It means that they're contemplating God and and like being in awe of his greatness, you know? So so that that's a good point, right? So if, if we're saying that this is after death and it doesn't mean that they're literally singing, it means that they're involved in like contemplating God and, and deriving enjoyment from that. Okay, so that ends the review, okay? But what we have to keep in our mind is these two tracks here, the death track and the bed track, okay? the And, and the death track, I mean, which one... Which one to you is more in line with the theme of Mashiach and Am Yisrael being like saved and like, you know, really? Oh, well, no one says anything about Chlis Mesim yet, right? And that would be, that would not be in their, that would be like brought back, right? Not in Olam Haba. Yeah, then we would talk about them as not being in their resting places. They have come back. And th- this is in Olam Haba, right? This is, yeah. you know, and, and that's, remember, he, he was quoting the Ibn Ezra. And Ibn Ezra says explicitly, The eternal existence. Okay, um, that's talking about their souls or in uh, in the future. Yeah. I mean, I can see it being like on their bed just because it's, Heracles talking about, you know, they're going to carry out like an actual war with other nations and they're going to be actually like physically praising Hashem. Right. Yeah. So like literal beds, you mean? Using literal beds. Yeah. 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 So uh, to me, that also makes more sense. To me, the death thing takes it on a completely different track. You know, we said, we did explain it last time that how could you take it in line with the theme of Mashiach and, and still talk about death and Olam Haba? Do we, I mean, I don't remember what we said last time, but maybe like the purpose of Mashiach is to right. people, bring people to all. Correct. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Is that the only reason that we read the Ramah, the only reason why the Chachamim wanted, uh, and, and Naveen wanted Mashiach is so that they can be involved in Torah without, and Chachma without opposition, and then they'll get Olam Haba. You know, it's just still is a little weird to talk about Olam Haba here to me. Well, yeah. So that's a whole question. Is that what you're going to ask? To be involved yeah. in Torah, I would say. Yeah, so th- that's a whole uh, question, and just because it's the Ramam's policy, I have to talk about it <laughs> a little bit, right? Um, so the Ramam does say, so the, it, it, okay, all right, yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. I mean, I can see it being like that's the purpose of Mashiach. That's not like why you should get involved in the, yeah. the ideas. Okay, so uh, let's first of all just confirm what Isaiah is saying. So the the um, Ramam Hills Chuva Perik Yud. And let's be careful to write this down now. Hilchos Teshuva Perik Yud Halif. Okay. Al Yomar Adam, a person should not say, Harini Oseh Mitzvah Satorah, Oseh Bachach Masah Kadesh, Akabo Habrachos, Akasubos Patorah, O Kadesh Eskel Chaylam Haba. Person should not say, I'm going to do the mitzvahs uh, and be involved of the Torah and be involved in its Chachma so that I will receive the Brachos that are written in it or so that I'll get Olam Haba. Okay, the Ephros Minaveras, she is here at Torah Mehan Kadesh and Natam in a Klaus Haksus Batora, Okadesh Lo Ikaris Mechayal Hamaba. Or I will refrain from the Averos that the Torah prohibits so that I will be saved from the Klaus that are written in the Torah or so that I won't be cut off from Olam Haba. Right? Remember, Ram does not hold by Gehenna, so we don't have to worry about that one. <laughs> right? Um, in Roy Lavados Hashem Al Derek It's not proper to serve Hashem in this way. Ovid Al Derek who Ovid Miyira. Uh, someone who serves Hashem in that way is serving out of fear. That is not the level of the Nevim or the Chachamim. Uh, the only people who serve God this way are the ignorant men, women, and children. Who uh, we train them to serve out of fear. 
uh, until they their minds mature or their knowledge increases and they serve out of love, right? Yet at the same time, we read right one halacha ago that uh, I think. That yeah, right. That what I just said is that they all wanted Mashiach so that they could be involved in Torah and mitzvahs properly and find reprieve so that they could increase their chachma to get olam haba. So that seems to be a contradiction. Rabbi Rav actually spoke about it on Shabbos. Well, he spoke about a different halacha. No, I thought it was the exact point. No, it happened to be the one in Yud, but he also spoke about the first halacha in Perik Zion. What did he say? <laughs> oh, there, I wasn't there. There's a whole thing. Yeah. So basically, the, the one in Perik Zion talks about how you shouldn't do teshuva. Or, no, sorry, you should do teshuva. Whole, yeah. Uh, Before you die? Yeah. So that you should be... Yeah, yeah. 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 First of all, I'll read it. Since you have free will, oh, we're going through all these sodas right now. <laughs> Uh, as we explained, therefore a person should strive to do teshuva and to cleanse his hands of his sins, yamus, so that he should die, vihu tshuva, as a bal tshuva, uh, so that he should merit olam haba. Ah, interesting. So do you, do you remember it well enough to say what... Uh, and so he's talking about how you should not have all about you should not be working toward all of us yeah be like serving your fantasy yeah it's been more toward an alam about of like right like of one to other. Oh, okay. You know, each Wait, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. By the way, uh, he, he brought a proof out for from in a parak yud. The halacha, um, the halacha um, uh, equates it almost to like the alam or the brachos. Or ah, oh, that's a good raya. Yeah. As if also, also as if like you're owed it as like uh, as like you're going mm-hmm. to with a transaction with God. Right. Okay. Good. I'm very happy to hear this. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm trying. I just want. Yeah. Forty-five minute Q and A with him, like straight up. Just yeah. People ask questions about teshuva. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Good. He said that uh, we are human. No. Say it so. Yeah. No matter how much you get, you are still going to get some sort of uh, good feeling from learning. Yeah. And you're gonna get that, and like. That doesn't mean it's not, that it's not Lishma. Okay, good, good. Which I was like very relieved to hear. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand. I, I've never had a Lishma learning, which is highly possible. Or I just don't understand this idea at all, which is also yeah. possible. Or you can just say that the good feeling you get from Torah isn't a little Lishma ideal. Right, right. So just to supplement that before I then go back to the topic is uh, the Ram also says in Shimon Prakim, the way he explains the soul, human beings, or also in Chalik, but human, human beings don't have a mechanism of feeling non-physical pleasure. All pleasures we experience are physical slash psychological. You can't have spiritual pleasure in this world, you know, going because it's the psyche, you know, like it, everything is going to the psyche. So reason why I'm happy to hear this answer is I wrote a, this is my whole theory on Olam Haba. I wrote a whole article about this, um, which is, so this is uh, in case you're interested in the article, why doesn't the Torah mention uh, the uh, Olam Haba? So I go through a summary of the six Seven, the seven uh, uh, shitos of the Rishonim. And then I come up with my own answer, the eighth answer, okay, which is, uh, so I start off by quoting the Rambam, okay, and then 
Um, the I quote the other Rambam. Oh, so this is this. Oh, this is what I just quoted to you right now. I'm just going to read it in English from Chelek. Know that just as a blind man cannot experience colors, nor can a deaf man experience sounds, nor can a eunuch experience sexual desire, so too physical bodies cannot experience spiritual enjoyments. And just as a fish does not recognize the element of fire because it is immersed in its opposite, this is water, um, uh, so too one cannot know the enjoyments of the spiritual world while one is in this physical world. For we have no enjoyment other than bodily enjoyments alone, such as the experiences of our senses in eating, drinking, and sex. And everything outside of these physical enjoyments is not experienced by us, nor can we recognize it, nor can we apprehend it with our initial analysis, but only after much investigation. Meaning two things. You can't experience it at all, and you can't even understand it except after like tremendous uh, uh, investigation. Uh, this is because we are in a physical world and cannot apprehend anything other than its enjoyments, but enjoyments of the soul are constant and unceasing, and there's no relationship at all whatsoever between these and those. Okay. Yeah, Isaiah. I mean are we able to perceive that idea is true, uh, an idea is true or not true? Yes, but that's not the same thing as deriving, uh, as our, our Selim deriving enjoyment from it. And similarly, all of our our ideas are tainted with some sort of physicality. It's through the imagination. Um, so we can't perceive purely non-physical things either with our, or conceive, you know. Okay, so then... Going back, this is, I'm, I'm just fleshing out the thing that I'm understanding from you that Rebbe said, and, and you'll tell me if it's the same thing. Uh, okay, so then the Ramam writes in, I'm just going to stick with my English here, uh, in the Mishnah Torah, regarding the great good which the soul will enjoy in Olam Haba, I think this is in 8, chapter 8, there is no way in Olam Hazad to comprehend it or know it, because we only know in Olam Haba uh, the good of the body, and that is what we desire. Sorry, Olam Hazad, the good of the body, and that is what we desire. But the good in Olam Haba is exceedingly great, and there is no comparison among the goods of Olam Hazad except by way of analogy. Okay, fine. So now here's the answer, okay? And this is now quoting myself in the article. Having established all these premises, I would like to propose my own answer to our original question. Why do the promises in the written Torah focus exclusively on physical reward without ever explicitly mentioning the spiritual reward for soul, the soul in the afterlife? Because since it is absolutely impossible to conceive of the spiritual enjoyments of Olam Haba, then if we were to be motivated by the promise of such a reward, we would, by definition, be chasing a fantasy. In other words, whatever notion of Olam Haba is driving our motivation must of necessity be false since it is impossible for a physical being to conceive of non-physical enjoyments. Okay, cool. Good. I've been waiting for vindication for this. Not that I didn't think, not that I didn't trust in my own mind. I clearly wrote and published the article, but like, I just never heard this idea expressed before. It sounds like the whole thing that anything that you're going to think of that it's all about is, is, is a fantasy. Yeah. And uh, anything you're going to change based on that is just a fantasy. Okay, great, great, good. Uh, And then just to, just to be, to clarify here, I just want to read this other part. Um, Oh, sorry. It is for this reason that the Torah promises physical blessings to those who obey Hashem. The individual whose avoda is motivated by these physical blessings and the individual whose avoda is motivated by Olam Haba are both engaged in avoda shalolishma, right? Serving God not for its own sake. But the former individual is on a higher level because at least he's being motivated by reality, whereas the latter is being motivated by fantasy. That's that's another claim I have is that, you know, God does say he's going to give you rain in his time and like protection from enemies. And that's a reality you can perceive and be motivated by. Make no mistake, Olam Haba itself is a reality, but the version of Olam Haba as a motivator is a fantasy. The vision of Olam Haba in our minds and imaginations to which our psyche attaches value and which acts as the proverbial carrot paired with the proverbial stick, that notion of Olam Haba has no basis in reality whatsoever. In contrast, reigns in the proper time, eating bread in satiety, peace in the land, and all those other physical blessings exist as motivators in our, uh, which exist Oh, exists as motivators in our imaginations, which do correspond to the physical reality. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Yes. Another thing. So someone also asked me about 
Uh, would it be proper to teach or to like try to uproot improper using uh, from someone? Could I, could I say how I would answer it before I say how you tell me how Rebbe would answer it? Is I would say it depends at what stage a person is at. So for a little kid, definitely don't do it, you know? And for many of the people who are motivated by Olam Haba, if you took that away, then they would just stop doing mitzvos, which is why the Rambam says in Halacha, in, in Perik Yud Halacha, um, when we teach the kids and the women and the what was it and the other Amiharats, we only teach them to serve out of fear, which includes both Brachos, Klalos, and Olam Haba, uh, and to get reward. I'll call you after uh, I call on uh, David Michael. What? Okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. should tarbet daitan until their minds mature and they become more chachamim. We reveal this secret to them little by little. and we accustom them to this idea gently. Until they grasp it and know it and serve out of love. So I would say you wean people off of it. You don't just shatter it but you do eventually wean people off of it so uh i uh hold on just a second michael hopefully you remember what you're saying yeah what did rebbe say okay no no, no i want to hear what rebbe okay. said yeah okay. so so rebbe gave more of in case i expire on the spot yeah <laughs> yeah okay there were some things that were uh similar to that yeah where rebbe was saying that you that if you were to just try to like completely like push out someone then they will get then you whatever like correct ideas you're teaching them will then be replaced and they'll Think of those improperly, or like, mm. I mean, you can't do it even if you tried, they're going to be attaching to something you're saying, yes, yeah, proper ideas, right? Are they going to distort those proper ideas and then have improper, improper, proper ideas in the place in which it would be purely proper, right? Like, for example, I'll just give you an example of this. Like, if you say, Oh, Olam Haba is just a spiritual reward, right? And you can't understand, they'll be like, Yeah, okay, fine. And then in their mind, they'll be like, Spiritual reward, so I can, like, white light. Yeah, right. And like it's it's pleasurable and like you know, they'll they'll just like they'll physicalize it. Yeah. 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 Is that what you're uh, that what you're yeah, okay, okay. Okay, uh, so first of all, let me just call on Michael and then we'll go uh Orin and then uh Isaiah. Yeah, Michael. Uh, I think it's actually related to what he was saying. Um the Roman seems a little extremist in saying that you can't have any satisfaction uh, of like a non-physical because like well for one example isn't that one of the proofs for the existence of the soul is the capacity for man to relate to non-physical oh, things so that's to relate to the non-physical but the pleasure um experiencing parts of the person are all psychological which we now have a better understanding of because it's like literally in the brain like you can watch the brain light up you know so you're drawing a line between saying that humans have the capacity to appreciate and uh, interact with the non-physical, right. but not in a pleasure way. So long not in a pleasure way, correct. Yeah, not to enjoy right, it. Right. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yep. Uh, Isaiah, and I didn't forget your original question. I had an original question. Yeah, your original, you want me to answer that really quickly? Or will you remember your, your original question was, isn't Chachamim uh, wanting Mashiach to oh, get Olam Haba? Okay, uh, the question was, wasn't Chachamim wanting Mashiach to get Olam Haba, Alo Lishma, right? Yeah, so I think that maybe you could say that Mashiach being for Olam Haba is not 
It's not in terms of what people should hope for. It's in terms of the wrestling Hashem for how the world should work. The Mashiach should come in order for people. Oh, that's interesting. That's a different answer than but I was going to give. It's like a part of the plan for yeah. the world. And that's the wrestling Okay, let, let's see if that fits into the Roman's Lushan, though, because he says, um, uh, hold on just one second. Sorry, I, I just got to. I got to stick to my guns and uh, and make sure that I remember this source and I don't trust my memory. So I'm offloading my memory to notepad. Oops. How's that been working? Yes, it has been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, the, the, the Rams had said, Oh, uh, yeah, you could read it the way you're, all of Israel and their Nevi Mechachim desired Yemos Mashiach. Kedeshi Anuchumim Amlecha. Sounds like he's saying that they desire it so that they can gain reprieve from the evil Malchus uh, that doesn't let them be involved in Torah, and then they'll find peace and they'll increase Chachamas so that they can get Olam Haba. So you're saying they're not desiring this. You're saying that they're desiring this as a fulfillment of God's will? And God's will is that this should be a time when everyone should be able to do this so that they merit Mm-hmm. And so God has set aside this time in the progression of the world. And so therefore we should desire the thing which God like. Yeah. Th- th- it's not a bad idea. Yeah. But isn't it God's will also in the same vein that a Tadikim should open their own in general? So can't you say that just do it for Allah and that's God's will? But that's still, you still want to maintain the differentiation between being motivated by Olam Haba versus being motivated by God's will, fulfilling God's will. That's like your essential answer, right? Yeah. I, I, I think a uh, answer that I prefer is that if you ask these Chachamim and Nevi'im, why do they want Mashiach? They'll say, because we love Torah and Chachma. And it will get us Olam Haba, but we want to be involved in Torah, in Torah Lishma and Avas Hashem, which is something that they can be motivated by because that's in this world. And that's like, you know, the way that the Ram describes the Ovid Me'ava um, in in the tenth parak, or the way he defines lishma, uh, is halvin meava, someone who loves, uh, who uh, serves God out of love. Osik bator of mitzvos v'holik benesivas hachachma. He is involved in Torah and mitzvos and follows the paths of hachachma. Lo mipnei davar ba'olam, not because of anything in the world. Lo mipnei yiras hara uvelokide lirash hatova, not out of fear of the bad, not out of uh, to inherit the good. Ela ose emes mipnei shu emes. He does the truth because it is true. The sof hatova lavo bichlal, and the good will ultimately come uh, uh, along with it. So, so like that's their orientation towards schar and olam haba. They really want to be involved in in Torah and chachma, and that they can enjoy. And then they, they know that there's going to be scar and all of but that's not motivating them because that's a fantasy. To me, that's a more compelling answer than being motivated because they want to fulfill God's will, which is the unfolding of the Muslim Shia. I guess one thing is when the Raman there says today, yeah. Oh, is that, that a statement about God's will? Right. That Okay, that's a fair reading, right? Let me just state that for the thing here, is that Isaiah is saying that in 9... Um, when it says, uh, which I didn't write down here, in nine, when it says that uh, that they want you know to be um, freed from all the the bad guys and so they get Torah, the the desire is this, but the kadeshi is haba is is just why God set it up this way. The only thing I have a hard time with that for is because he he uses kadeh here 
and Kadei here. So it's like this in order for this in order for this. I, I still think it's a hard reading. I mean, the idea is true, but yeah, Warren. Um, didn't didn't the Ram just say that that pleasure is not like Lishma? That that's not that that's not what you want to be doing. That's not what you want to be going for. So then why would the why would the 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 so that you can be, be saying that we want to do this because we love well, it, it, it's not just physical pleasure. Um, so it is really the desire is is Oseh Hamas is be involved in, in truth or in reality because it's it's true. Like you're you're satisfying your whatever you want to call, you know, your your uh Selim drive to be involved in truth. And it it yields the ple- most pleasurable experience, you know. Um, like it, it's you know, when you're uh, when you ask, if you like, like, um, interrupt Einstein when he's involved in like working out relativity and you say, Hey, Einstein, then he'll scowl at you. Right. And then if you say like, why are you doing this? He's not going to say because of the pleasure he, he'll say, I want to know God's thoughts, you know? Um, and then if you ask him, Hey, how was that? He'd be like, Oh, that was awesome. You know, but he's not doing it to be involved in the pleasure. The pleasure is, and the pleasure could be concurrent with it. Like it could be, you know, but he is just like, it's, it, you know, it, it's, uh, Analogous to slash, it is the state of flow where you're just completely involved in in that thing. Yeah. What if you? What if you? What if your motivation is? I know there's this thing called Omhaba. I cannot comprehend it whatsoever. Yeah. But I understand that it's really really good. Yeah. Or, right. And I and I just leave it at that. Or, right. So so the best the best possible thing then. But the thing is, the so I I I think the thing is like this. I think the thing is is that. That that is what the Raman was describing in 10 when he says the good will ultimately come. Like the guy, it's not that that good is outside of the guy's mind because he knows that this will result in some good that he can't fathom, but it is not the thing that's motivating him. And it's like the thing that is the reality he can grasp is the learning he's involved in right now. So it is in his mind that this is going to yield Olam Haba, but it's just not, that's not moving him. The thing that's moving him is the drive for truth. But what if you could be moved? What if you just said, "I understand that there's this that there's this thing out there that's I've, I'm told is really good for me, so I'll just do because it." Because what that guy is doing is he is comparing it to uh, to other goods. There, there's no other choice. Meaning he's saying, meaning he has pleasure and other good things, and he's going to be saying it's like that only greater. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good question though. Also, yeah, I'm pretty sure that we touched on that point of um, he he said I'm pretty sure he said that. Uh, Obviously, the Sadiq or the Chacham like knows that oh my boss is available and that's gonna happen. Yeah, like, he's not like sitting here like, oh, all well, my boss is not gonna happen. Right. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's like obviously the guy like the guy knows what it is. He knows that like like it's part of the system. That's a reality. Yeah. Like, it's gonna happen based on his actions, but but it's like you were saying, and that's not what's driving him because anything that drives him when he thinks about Omaha is automatically going. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. I'm glad we did that. See, that's what that's what you got to do. What the Ram says, whenever you have a yisod, it's like when you're going fishing and you feel a little tug on the uh, on the fishing line. You got to like, like you know, like uh, I can't complete the analogy. <laughs> I was gonna say you got to reel it in, but that's you don't always just like reel it in. You have to like like respond to it and and follow it. You know, otherwise you're not gonna get any fish. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it does end up just being an old shoe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we get to the new, the, the, the new part. <laughs> okay. 
so we actually will be able to finish the Mi'iri unless we encounter another Yisod. Um, but uh, because the Mi'iri, the rest of the Mi'iri is short after this one. So the, let's go back to the Pasuk really quickly. This is Pasuk 6, and this was the pivot. Okay. Romomos kel bigronam, the egg... Uh-oh, hold on. No, not the egg. Exaltations. I think this is exaltations. Not exaltations. Yeah, because ro, ro, like Leromain is to exalt, not to exult. Um, what was that? Uh, so the exaltations of God are in their their throats. Vacher uh, pifios biadam, and a double edged sword is in their hand. So we said that practically speaking, what this means is either it is comparing the praises of God to a double edged sword, or it's saying what are we what what are we saying Viking? What was the uh, um, no? It was the uh, the New Zealand? Uh, oh, the uh, the the, uh, the hockey. Yeah, right. Or or they're they're praising God as they're going to battle, right? Yeah. Why, why double edged sword? Uh, it's more effective. Okay. Twice the killings, <laughs> you know, because you got it on both sides. Um, instead of just hacking and then withdrawing and then hacking, you know. Um, okay, so let's do the Niiri Vav. Romos Kelbigronam, Rotzalomar, Sipuram Niflaus Hakelbi's Asik Behem. So what are the Romomos? He says it is their recounting of the wonders of God and their involvement in them. Okay, so it sounds like it is both proclaiming but also learning, because he. Uh, it is like Azyashir, but I think he's saying he's asik behem. He, you know, we, we don't use the term he's asik when it comes to praising. We use that for like Torah, like lasuk b'divrei Torah, you know. So I think it means both. Like they're involved in telling about it, and they're also involved in learning about it. Oh. Yeah. Is it that they're involved in telling about it and involved in, in learning about it, or is it that they're involved in? In telling about the Niflaos and their Saska the Niflaos? Um, it doesn't really make sense, actually. Like, I don't know why they would need to tell about what they Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think it doesn't make sense. Um, uh, okay, Vuhu Biadam Kecher Pifius, and it is in their hand like a double edged sword. Lahagin Alehem Mikol Nezek, to shield them from any harm. Sword of the sheep. Yes. So that is the interesting thing. For first of all, you see from here, this is a defensive sword, not an offensive sword. Okay. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> this, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the best defense is a good offense, right? Is yeah, what it would be here. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I just, I had to process that. I don't know. Yeah, the though, is saying. Okay. Um, ubigronam, good thing we're not thinking about it. <laughs> ubigronam, uh, their throats is the same thing as saying in their mouths. I think I said that, that the throat is vocal cords, right? So it starts off in there, which again, I think that um, uh, unless you are a singer or a, 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 a wind instrument player, you don't often think about how you make sounds, right? So it's the muscles vibrating the column of air in your throat and changing the pitch. And it's just, we do this like without even thinking about it. It's crazy, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, Kamo Kara Bigaron Al Like it says, oh, sorry, sorry. I skipped something. Oh, Ram Or when you're talking about a loud voice, then they ascribe it to the throat. Kamo Kara Bigaron Al Call out throatily um, and don't hold back. Yeah. Right. People do say like, like sing from your diaphragm, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure why they say it this way. Ubalf Pifios and e what? Uh, but have you ever heard the uh, the Tibetan monks who do yes. the deep throat, like the deep chant? Like, polyphonics yeah yeah tube and throat singing yeah so that is the loudest sound that i've ever heard a human being make uh the the loud ones yeah like the really yeah not not well, not tube and throat singing but it's the same technique but the have you seen that live uh, so johnny can do it he can't do the uh the polyphonic but he can do that loud terrifying like deep thing uh but it hurts his throat but anyway so I don't know if that's where it comes from, but, but, um, but, uh, but like, that's what I associate to. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I doubt that's what it means, you know, but that would be really, really awesome. If like all of, uh, you know, the armies of Israel were like doing the super throat thing with their in and their double-edged sword praise. Yeah. Um, Rosalomar, uh, ball shape, Pios, it has two, um, mouths. Okay. Uh, Clomar, caresses mishnet stani. It cuts from both sides. Um, okay. Um, interesting thing. This is, might be alluding to the two na- well-known nations, uh, because the majority of our Gallus is among them. So who's he talking about? What? Nope. Well, Rome is one of them, but Rome is made up of two nations. Yeah. Edom. Uh, no, no, not Babel. Bava was only 70 years. Uh, We're saying of the of the goals that we're now. The goals that we're now, yeah. What are the two nations? Oh, Rome. I don't know. Well, who do you who is that now? Because Rome is gone. Sorry, buddy. Rome is long gone. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why didn't anyone tell me? Yeah. <laughs> the Christians and the Muslims. Oh. Right. Um, and this is uh and the re- the reason why I'm saying this is uh, uh again, like um I don't mean to come across as like um like everyone should learn Sefer Daniel, but they should. But the reason why I don't mean to come across that way is because like, it just happens to be that like, I was assigned to teach Sefer Daniel. And that's the only reason I know it. It's like, I'm, you know, like I also don't know a lot of other knock, but Daniel Nebuchadnezzar has a vision of a giant statue, right? And so it's a head of gold, a uh, arms of silver, stomach of uh, brass or bronze, and then legs of iron with clay mixed in right so the head of gold is bavel the torso part with the arms silver is um paras and madai uh the brass or the uh, bronze is greece and then the the iron and with the clay mixed in is rome and and the mafarshim there say that it's that edom is split into two communities uh or two nations whatever is the christians and the muslims and um you know the old saying Iron and clay don't mix. That's not the old saying, but iron and clay don't mix. Um, and so, so the uh, so those are the, those are the two nations. Now, Miiri was not in a heavily censored area. He was in Provence, and that was pretty liberal compared to like Crusadey areas. But um, so, but I, I, I guess like he's just alluding to this because I, you know, you don't want to upset the Christians. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's go back now and understand what the deal is. But Daniel was like well before both Christianity and Islam. Well, so these are all, Daniel says that, yeah, the Nuvo is pretty explicit that there will be four um, exiles and uh, and the gold is Babel because he was talking to the king of Babel. And then the question is, what do the other ones refer to? And so the Mepharshim later on try to go back and see, you know, uh, uh, who these were referring to. And it was it was a Nuvo or Ruach Kodesh. So like, you know, and, and they knew by the time the Rishonim were writing, they knew we were in that last Gaulus. 
and we know that that's the last gullus because then it says that a stone will come be carved out of the uh, the quarry without human hands, and then it'll smash the the feet uh, of the statue, and then everything will crumble up, and the stone will grow big and fill the entire earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there are really weird YouTube videos that show this in, in bad CGI, if you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, and also bad acting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, message me. I'll send you the links if you're really interested. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wacky. Um, there's also a VeggieTales episode, but it doesn't, doesn't show this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's the idea here uh, about the... Um, uh, the the sword the praises are swords because through talking about them and being involved in them then they will shield us from every harm what's that idea so he's not going with the shot that we will be saying praises at a time of war right and plain shot by the way who is this shielding us or what what harm is this shielding us from so I think it's talking about the war, right? The war at the time of, you know, it's going to lead to the time of Mashiach, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the question? The question is, what is the idea of this Pasuk, according to him, that talking about the miracles and wonders of God is going to be like a sword that's going to protect us? Right. I think that's what it is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, is that that the way that Hashgacha works is you involve yourself in knowledge of God and put your trust in him. Right. So one of the questions, let's just back it up just to make the answer better. One of the questions we said is that if this is a bakasha, like, sorry, it would make sense if this were a bakasha that we're asking God to protect us. So how is a shevach protecting us or helping us? So by praising God for all the wonders that he did of all these other exiles that he took us out of, et cetera, we put our trust in God. And then as a result of that, he will protect us. And then we can like, you know, smash our enemies or slice our enemies. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, say it again with a defensive sword. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we, we're just trying to defend ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then let's finish the Meiri who's very short. He goes into very short, shorthand now. Lasos Nakama Bogoyim to, to, Exact uh, retribution from the nations in Pasuk Zion. What? Yeah, vengeance. Wrote Lomar, his askam in merit of their involvement in the service of God. God will show them vengeance in the nations and rebukes of, in all the regimes. So he doesn't explain what that means, though. Okay. So I did see uh, the Radah. Does the Redox say? Yeah. Um, so Redox says something interesting. Now, I know it's dangerous to switch Mepharsha midstream because uh, he might be learning this completely differently, but because we don't have anything for Meiri, then let's just see what the Redox says uh, right across the, the, the aisle. They came upon us to wage war. And they will take vengeance against them. Okay, so that doesn't say anything more than the Meiri. Tochechos, which are rebukes, but then he, I don't think he says rebuke here. She is vakahu im malachehem. They will, I think, argue or try to prove, like hochacha, um, like lahochiach or muchach. They will try to prove or to argue among their kings, lama ba'alehem, why this has come upon them. Vehim lo yimana umi alehem, and they will not refrain from going to war with them. Lefikach yasubhem nekama v'yargu kol ha'amim habayim lehilachem lehem. Therefore, they will do vengeance and will kill all the nations that come upon them to wage war with them. I, I, I'm getting mixed up with the pronouns here. Yeah. 
They will, so I, this is the Goyim, right? Goyim, yeah, right? They will argue with their kings, saying, why is this coming upon them? The Haim and the kings, will not refrain from going to war with them. I don't know, what, I'm not sure. Did this, this is like a, like infighting that's what it sounds like, right? It sounds like there's going to be some sort of like uprising uh, against the kings and that's going to lead to war. Okay, maybe the Ibn Ezra will help us. Uh, Zion, Lassos, Hatam. Oh, yeah, this one is nice. Wait, is this, are we on Zion? Yeah. So this is nice as an idea, just not in the shot. So how does he translate Lassos Nakama? Hatam, Lahashivam, Lavot Hashem. To get them to do Teshuva and to serve Hashem. Shechem all as one, meaning like with us. Okay, that's very nice, but it doesn't fit into the words doing vengeance, right? Um, Hamashiach. Unless he's saying... Unless he's saying it's on the whole pasuk and tochechos leumim, rebuking the nations, that the rebuke of the nations is going to get them to do tshuva. I don't get it though because it doesn't fit in with the next pesukim, right? Let's look at the next pesukim, which are defining what the nakama is. Leasor malchehem bezikim to bind their kings with uh, shackles, right? Or you know, uh, chains. Yeah, rotzlomar shel shalos chains v'nichbedeim b'chavli varzel. And they're nobles with uh, with shackles, iron shackles. So he doesn't explain what that is either. Let's go to the Radak. Radak says, doesn't explain much either. We will like um, seize them alive and, and put them in chains to take vengeance on them while they're alive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't know. Does Ibn Ezra help? <laughs> Will chain them to do tshuva. Uh, no, he, he says, uh, yeah. Yeah, for I think it's the abstract wanted to destroy like our like, belief system and mm-hmm. ideology. So then therefore we're going to destroy their ideology by, by consuming them and, and, you know, making everything one where we're all joining together okay. and, and whatever, and, and loving God and whatever. Yeah. And then to bind their Kings and chain or not, maybe that's just more metaphorical. It's not Kings as in literal Kings, but Kings as in the thing which dominates them, which is to say their ideology. Okay. They will not happen. That, that's good. I mean, I, I do. I do want to say I like saying that the kings is literal, but the bindings are metaphorical. You know, because the but um. Uh, what we said before that, like the bindings, maybe like uh, the Torah binding them, like. Oh right, so that was for the for the, the last pasuk, right? Yeah. Uh, which which we should read. Let, let's read that and just to complete the whole picture. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I know some some uh, you know some teenagers feel like Tefillin is uh, is, is like handcuffs. Lasos to do vengeance. Oh wait, Meiri. Lasos ben Mishpat Kasuv to do to enact written judgment. Klomar Kamo Kamashi Adu Hanavim Bahachrasasam like the Navim promise in their in cutting them off. Sounds like actually killing them, according to Meiri. Vamar al Oso Hasman and it says about that time. Hadar that it will be a glory for all of his pious ones. for the chosen nation. So he just kind of like tapered off into like very short commentary and didn't really help us as much. Let's look at the Radak 
and the Ibn Ezra on the uh, those last two psukim here, or sorry, last pasuk test. Lasos in Radak, Lasos Ben Mishpat Kasuv, Hamishpat and Nigzarlam, the Mishpat that was decreed upon them. So, like we're saying, the sentence that was pronounced. Kamosha Kasubatora, like it's written in the Torah, Imshinosi Barak Harbi, the Tehos Ben Mishpat Yadi. If I, um, Imshinoti Barak Harbi, yeah. Uh, I always read this is poetic. Uh, anyone have a Devarim? Say for Devarim. Um, thank you. Um, while we're waiting, a brief commercial break from Al Torah. Al Torah has now completed uh, their. They found a new comment. Oh, sorry. They they completed a, a new commentary from the uh, the Redox brother uh, on Eov, and they they have a new commentary coming out that has never been published on from reviews of Kinfei that's coming out soon. And they finished their their translation of Rashi's, except the last two chapters. Uh, and then they're also they also have. Uh, uh, a uh, Yushami, something in the Yushami, so all, all these things were announced today. Uh, and back to your regular schedule programming, Devarim 3241. Um, 3241. Oh, that's late in Hazino. Uh, well, that explains the poetry. Yeah. Uh, for if I sharpen my flashing sword, oh, I just did this word, I did this in Ramam today. Uh, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand grasps judgment, that's God talking. So he's saying that that means punishment. That day will be glorious to all of Israel, and that's uh, to all the Hasidim, which is Israel. Does not help us. Same as Miri. And the Ibn Ezra says, or Achar, Leos Hadar So he says it's Radak. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, so it didn't quite come together. Oops, it didn't quite come together at the end. I was thinking, uh, well, like, similarly to what Oren said, what, uh, yeah, well, let's Ari, explore that. Yeah. yeah well, like, like what Ariel said in uh, Michelin a couple days ago about the uh, destroying, maybe it was like last week, destroying the Russia yeah. by, um, by like uh, destroying the ideology within his children kind of thing. Right. Um, so the similar thing here is that you can say that destroying them or the vengeance, like it's like basically the same thing as 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 Armand said, as far as uh, destroying the ideology and not the really destroying of the uh, of the people. Yeah, let's let's look at this uh, the the words and just see if that fits in here. Okay, also so works with uh, with like in their throats because that. Sounds like a more okay. Yeah. Story. All right. That I like uh, even better. Right. Okay. Good. So the so there's another like this. The exaltations of God are in their throats, uh, and a double or a double sword in their hand. So that gives them hashgacha. Okay. But if this is the weapon that yeah. Okay. Good. Now see, see, I'll tell you why. Good. Now we've got a metaphor to work with. Now we have a, a metaphorical license. We've been granted the metaphorical license because it's literally calling the praises of God their weapons. And these are the weapons that they're using to execute vengeance upon the nations, which is destroying their ideology, right? Their Avodazara um, ideology and rebuking the regimes, which is going back then to also the Nimshal, right? It's rebuke to bind the kings, their kings in chains and their noblemen in iron shackles, which you can say is, um, uh, you said that it was the things that are holding them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, whatever it is. That's, yeah. Right. But here we're saying that, that we are binding them in chains. Right. right. So they're, like they're going after, I don't know, paganism or materialism or whatever it is. And then we're going to bind that uh, motivation. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, 
Yeah. Well, it seems like we're binding them in order to enact Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking more along the lines of using these praises of God and these um, uh, rebukes to then like corner them in terms of their their uh, like their lifestyle or whatever and their ideology, and then enact the Torah's judgment either for punishment or for getting them to do tshuva, and that'll be a glory for all of the pious. I guess I'm also, I was trying to figure out what the double-edged sword is there. Yeah. But I guess what works in the last post like that, the double-edged sword is, uh, is either, meaning we're going to we're going to use the same weapon of choice for everybody. Mm, either going to be that's good. positive for them, and they're right. going to become part of the addition. Right. negative for them, and they're going to Okay, die. that's even better, right? So it's double-edged because we're, we are, like, conveying knowledge of God. Either they are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's true. I renounce my falsehood. Yeah. Or they're going to be like, they're going to resist, and then they're going to get destroyed by it. Yeah. Uh, just to preface, this is all regarding the end of goals. Right? Yeah. War, right? So I, similar to what both of you guys are saying, that I heard an idea about the war, this final war is not actually a physical war. It's a psychological war in the sense that, so I guess the defense and whatever would be, you know, learning Torah and right. therefore destroying their yeah so so it, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that there won't be a physical war well, there will be but in addition to that it will definitely be an ideological correct yeah yeah yeah. the the, the main the main war will be fought in the mind yeah yeah uh okay good um, so yeah when you were continuing the metaphor of of um the double-edged sword into like seven and eight yeah you're saying like that eight would be like i don't know debates or something like that well so that that's what the redox seem to be saying right because he says tochechos uh she's vakahu imalchem lama abawalem they will, will argue or try to refute their kings about why these things came and so I, I he's interpreting it differently it sounds like the infighting thing but i was going with that that um interpretation that that yeah we're going to be arguing with them and trying to prove to them things and then they'll be bound in chains because they that's won't the part I'm not be sure able about. to behave the way they were behaving before. Yeah, I don't know. that's the part I'm not sure about. Yeah. Well, he's saying like the um, the regimes and the governments will like they'll fail. Yeah. From the people, I guess the people will like you know question like you're like leading us in the wrong right. way. Why aren't you leading us? Yeah, that it does sound way. like he's saying that. Yeah, and that's and and that's why we're we're it's interesting. We're going after the kings. Um, I mean, I guess it's also just to execute vengeance upon the nations, but but oh. it's emphasizing the king. Uh, you saying, Michael, what were you saying? Uh, well, I think the the thrust of Ches is the idea that we'll have sovereignty. Right? Yes, I mean, correct. It's, That's it's true. Preventing right, preventing the kings from ruling us. They're bound. Right, right correct. Yeah, the the it's it's emphasizing the downfall of their kings because our kings will be ascendant. Yeah, that's another idea to tie uh, six and seven together. Yeah. Is that executing vengeance seems to be a negative ideal? Yeah. Versus rebuke sometimes to be a positive thing. And that's enough. We tend to look at rebuke as a positive thing, right? So right. say that the double edgedness of the sword is that they'll either be they'll either be against us, i.e., we'll, we'll enact vengeance on them, or they'll be with us, i.e., that sword will act as a rebuke to them. Mm-hmm. That's a good and extension of the muscle. Yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah. Good. Um in yeah. Maybe also for the king's bit and kings and noblemen, it's, it's what do you want to say? You want to say that the kings meant like their actual leaders? Uh, the, yeah, they're actual kings, and yeah. the noblemen are like their yeah. I, I don't know, if maybe it isn't near then, but I was gonna say maybe it's like uh like their like ideological leaders, like like the the academics and people like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely see it. If anything, I would say that's interesting. Yeah, I want to try to come up with an, uh, kings and noblemen to be well, like two be like, types like, of. Like, a, yeah, I think that makes sense. And whatever like people who like right. make the ideas, and then noblemen are like people who follow the ideas. Right. I mean, we we do have to remember, by the way, and I think we just don't think about this because we're in America. That like in many areas, then the ideologies are held in place through politics and through ideas. So like, there's the political ideological leaders. You know, like if you want to say, let's say, like in Iran, if you want to use a religious example, or in like, you know, in, in these autocracies, there's like the the there are the people who develop the ideologies, and then there are the people who hold them in place politically, and that could be both of those. Yeah, like yeah. I was thinking something along these lines of like a a king is like the uh, call it the physical leader, I guess, mm-hmm. and then a nobleman could be some sort of spiritual leader of sorts. Yeah, um, like just to kind of go on like that route. Yeah, I hear. All right, so. Let's do this. I'm not satisfied yet. Okay. And we have one more Tuesday. Well, not one more Tuesday, but yeah. That doesn't have to mean nobleman, does it? It can mean um, uh, revered people. So just take it a little bit away from noble mark to like a, uh, again, to to go into like that kind of a a spiritual leader of sorts. Yeah. Because like, yeah, honored. Yeah. Uh, Like if you think about like the Pope, right? Yeah. They revere him. He's not really... In, in essence, in some in some ways, he's kind of like a king, but in, in other ways, he's not. When you think of like you have a king, right, like a leader, of, like not not a figure, but a, a leader, a, a, a again like a physical uh, uh, strength kind of leader. Yeah. And then you have like those metaphysical, those spiritual kind of uh, 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 yeah leader. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's do that. Let's have this plan. Okay, let's uh, let it percolate over the weekend. Okay, we'll let's try to finish on Tuesday. And and tie it all up and answer out of those four questions. Uh, and uh, and if we have leftover time, which we may, I I, I want to look through the mob also because the mob seemed promising last time. Um, and uh, if we have extra time, I have a, a an idea of tequila I want to run by you about davening for refuel for somebody. Um, <laughs> you don't even know what the question is. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that we can answer also. Um, but yeah, okay. So, uh, let's, I'm going to stop the recording and then just take a little break. And then next year, uh, in like a few minutes. Okay. Just got to take a breather. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah content fund, my Venmo is at Matt hyphen and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are Matt at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, sheer or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.